0: So, today, Pastor Sheldon talked about new life, and I want to talk specifically for a little while to hone in on, on a new start. Have you ever needed a new start? That usually goes along with our lives because we've all had a once in a time moment when we just wish we could have a do over, something, a new start, something if we could go back and change, we would. Um, and one of the biggest words that I deal with with, with people, and one of the hardest things to, to deal with in various stages of life, is the word regret. True? Regret. Do you have any regrets in your life? Is there anybody, anything you can think of, maybe through a sermon today, But wow, if I could go back and change it, I would. Well, I think I have some really good news for you today. Uh, I didn't golf until I was with my 20s. I was very athletic, but how many of you know that does not necessarily translate to golf? I had never played it whatsoever before, and I went out the very first time with some established golfers, wouldn't you know it? And they are trash talkers, all, all that. And quite frankly, I was much more athletic in other ways, but I couldn't keep up on the golf course the first time. So the first, t- the first hole, I tee it up. And you know, you just start saying, Dear Lord, just help me to make contact. I don't care where the ball goes, but I want to swing and miss. So I hit the ball, probably my form wasn't that great. It went out there a good ways. And I thought, wow, that's good. So when I got to my ball in the fairway, I decided to tee it up again. So I pull out a tee, and I teed that baby just as high as a kid in the fairway. If you're not a golfer, that is a major faux pas. You don't do that. That'd probably be a penalty, I don't know, a disqualification. And then I looked around, they were rolling on the ground laughing at me, making fun at me. I go, well, don't make fun of me, just tell me how to do it right, and I'll do it, okay? But I quickly learned, and, and they were, they were, they got more gracious after my pastor was goofing around taking practice swings, and uh, he chipped a ball, and you know, when those balls travel. Well, it hit a cart path, and I was over here. I mean, we are good, a fair distance, and would you know that ball hit me right in the temple, and I went down like a box of rocks. I mean, my pastor thought he had killed me. He was nice to me for at least a month after that. And so when I went golfing again, they go, well, we have something called, a, we know of something called a mulligan. And, uh, that means when your first, your first shot, you, know, you swing it, are swinging, it's a pop-up behind you. Have you ever done that? I've done a few of those. You hit it and it goes behind you. How in the world do you do that? But he said a mulligan. And that means the first shot didn't count. Now they kind of remember it though. And the total score, they go, yeah, you would, have, but with the mulligan, but that's what it is. That's what it is. And, uh. It's my experience that just because I got a mulligan, that didn't mean that my next shot was gonna be good. My, ne- my next shot might have been worse. But I wanna tell you the truth. In life, I know there's one who enables you to start over, who gives you a new start. No matter, so this message is for everyone, no matter who you are, where you are on the journey. We are talking about the one who gives a brand new start. Have any of you had a new start in life? The start isn't the end, of the journey, but it's a, it's a turn in a new direction. Someone sent me a, 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 a song that he, they wanted me to, after last week's message, they wanted me to pass on to Sheldon, and uh, maybe you've heard it, but it's called Brand New by Matthew West. Anybody heard it at all? Let me just, I just pulled out a few of the lyrics. Here's how it goes. I'll start with the bridge. Anyone in Christ is now a new creation. Every day you're closer to the you he's making. So, take one last look back and see your past erasing. You're not who you were. That's over and done. So lift up your eyes to the one who's making you new. The chorus goes like this. Yes, he's making you new. He's healing your heart right where you are. If only you knew he's lifting your shame He's changing your name, and when you look back, the only thing you'll see is his grace, that it's been making you brand new. He's making you brand new. Any testimonies out there? I love it, because it's not just he made us brand new, and he did, but he's making us brand new along the journey, and no matter where you find yourself on the journey, there's more ahead, and we like to say it around here all the time, more to come, the best is yet to come. No matter how you started, no matter what direction you may be going on today, if you may feel like you're on the road, it's not over, you may be stuck, but it's not hopelessly stuck. You're not hopelessly stuck because of His love and mercy and grace. He wants to give you a new start and make all things new. And I've got news for you. He wants it for you more than you want it for yourself. He loves to give you and me a new start. He's already provided a way out, and, and that name is Jesus, and, 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 and uh, he's already made a way in through the same, he's the way and to a new you and a new direction, what may feel like a free fall and due south becomes a true north, a direction change in a moment, but over time as well. I love the writings of Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16b, and then we'll read a little bit more, but, but he was exhorting, and then he reflects, and he said at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, like from a human perspective also. They they probably didn't think of of Jesus as truly divine, but he said, now, how differently we know him now. And that's something I I stress all the time because so many of us think we know him, but we, we believe in him with our heads, but we haven't really embraced him in our hearts. When you know somebody, it's different than just knowing about them, isn't it? You know, you may call them by name. I, I remember, I told you before, I remember when I would go to the Firestone World Series of Golf with my father-in-law, he worked for Firestone for years, and, and that was when Tiger was in his prime, and, and it just would drive me crazy, because you know, there are very few other sports where you can get that close to players when they walk through lines, and and these people, you know, these loud Tiger, 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 and they call out something they read, a headline, you know, it just made you sick. And, and, and I, he wanted to do the Mrs. Searfoss, my old neighbor. He wanted to look at them and say, would you shut up, I don't know you. <laughs> My neighbor actually said that to us many times when we were cheerful and said hello to her. Can you believe that? But the knowing, and, and I just, I, I wanna ask you, and you say, Pastor, this is so basic. You know not who all's watching, listening, and who is in this room today and where hearts might be. Um, you just never know. Do you know him? When you come into a, that love relationship with Jesus by saying yes to him, It won't just be a head thing. The heart will combine and collide. You know him personally by choice, and you're no longer your own because you belong to him. And it's not because he takes you against his will, because the whole palms up idea, remember receiving and and giving? It's not that you don't say, Lord, take me, take me. You say, Lord, I give myself to you. He receives what we give. And that's what he wants to do with our sin, our, our self, whatever. Lord, I give myself completely to you. And when that happens, that belonging, I, I love it. It's, il- it's illustrated in the verse, of, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians. So the above means, when you really get to know him, you experience him. What this means is that anyone, is that a, are all of you in anyone? Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone And a new life, a brand new start has begun. You're not there yet, you haven't arrived, but you're on the way. It's because you've met Jesus. I'll say it again, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are right now, when you believe and receive Jesus, you belong and you start becoming a new person in him. You belong to Jesus immediately, but you spend the rest of your life becoming. And that's very becoming. Huh? It's very becoming to know that you're becoming, that you're not arrived, that, that I don't have to compare myself to you because I've got my hands full just being me, Let God, letting God transform me and make me into more and more the man he wants me to be. But that looks good, that's so encouraging. When people look at you and see becoming, they don't think you should have it all together. It's so encouraging for them to see that you're on a journey, becoming more and more like Jesus. Hmm. The old life is out. The Bible says the new life is in. And I'll talk a few scriptures here in a row that God cast all of our sins, our forgiven sins are forgot, forgotten. But I was thinking about this and I, I just wanna be clear. I didn't put the scripture up, but, but many of you, you, this may sound familiar in, in Romans ten nine, That's where we talk about, you know, confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus, that's how we're saved in believing. But we stopped there, and I and I just went back to review, and I think I knew it, but but I wanted to be sure. But all the translations that I looked at and paraphrases, it says that you believe in your heart. That's where that knowing is. Thing. You know, some of you are all up in your head. I mentioned it before. You're, you're all the, you, you, you you know. You think you understand, but you've never settled it in your heart. Believing in your heart, goes all the way through you, it is settling, it, you're gonna stand in faith no matter what comes after you. That changes everything. That is not easy believism, that is deep. It's convicting, it's convincing. And it goes back to that truth that we always harp on, that you really believe, though you can't figure it out understand, you believe that God is always good and he is always working for his glory. And you can be sure that if it's for his glory, it's for your good, Agreed? and that's eternal stuff. So, have you really believed in your heart? Well, I have some questions. Well, I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to do this first. No, have you have you let it go all the way through you? My my parents were prayer warriors and they called it they used to call it praying all the way through and staying there until you did. But it's about that level of surrender. Not just our sin, but ourselves to him completely. So let me read these verses. These are so when I back when I was in schooling, you know, we, we talked about the attributes of God, and I mentioned this often, but they never said anything about the the, the all the, the attributes for sure. That we had the major ones that we know. But I think one of the most encouraging ones is that God is an all-forgetful God. And that is divisible only in God because you and I can't forget on purpose. We only forget accidentally. But God just chooses to forget forgive and forget, and it's gone. Figure that out. See, you can't wrap your mind and head about this, but I wanna say again, that doesn't diminish God, it magnifies him, because if you can figure out your God, then he's not really God. Your questions and doubts do not diminish God. It actually magnifies him. Your inability to figure him out, to understand your situation, that doesn't diminish God. That just means he's sovereign in control, and you settle it, I trust you, where I cannot see. I love, the, that, I love that scripture. I love it and it goes on then Isaiah 43 25 I yes I alone will blot out these are strong words will blot out your sins that sounds permanent doesn't it for my own sake and will never think of them again so if they're forgiven and forgotten by God why are you hanging on to them why are you rehearsing them? Why do you keep going back and replaying those things over and over? Why are you still living in the land of regret? Just asking. Hebrews 8, 12. And I will forgive their wickedness. Wickedness is sin. And I will never again remember their sins. Wow. And one of my favorites, Psalm one hundred three twelve, He has removed our sins as far as the north is from the south. No, that just doesn't sound right, does it? As far as the east is from the west. In other words, goes forever in the opposite direction to infinity. Wow. Wow. A young man was in a horrible motorcycle accident, had multiple, multiple injuries that were so serious. He was life fighter to a, the nearest trauma center and given such a slim chance to live if he could make it through the first seven days. He did, barely, but after that, he had an aneurysm and, and slipped into a coma, deep into a coma, and, and, and they thought he was destined to die and was in bad shape. He was not a believer, mocked God, had no faith base at all other than his wife, who loved Jesus. But one day, as the days passed, his eyes began to flicker and open, and slowly he came out of that coma, and in a few days was able to raise his hand, and from there just begin step by step by step, slow, steady progress towards physical wholeness. But how many, of you know, how many of you know that God isn't just into physical wholeness, he's into spiritual wholeness? And a lot of times he uses physical things to address the spiritual. True? This man had never believed in God before, but while the physical healing was taking place as a gift from God... God began healing his heart, began touching his heart. And lying on that hospital bed, and you know, we can relate because sometimes when you're lying in bed and you're still, the only place you can look is up. And when you do, you discover that God is looking lovingly at you. That's what he discovered. And he had in that hospital bed, in that lonely place, had a real encounter with the love of God that changed his life, right? He got a new start, a brand new start, right there in that hospital bed. When his wife walked in one day for a visit shortly thereafter, he told her that as soon as he got out of the hospital, the first Sunday he was going to church, she about passed out and fell in the bed with him. He said, I'm going to do it. And when it happened, he did. He made good on his promise to God and to his wife. And that day, the first day in church, he made a public profession of his faith. By the way, I would say, I think that's important. We, a lot of times, make a private decision for Jesus, but we need to go public with it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He made a public profession. It had already happened, but he wanted to stand before God in the church and declare it. And he even signed up to be baptized at the first opportunity. We've got a baptismal coming up here probably not too long, probably next month. Sign up for it if you haven't. But his whole life went in a new direction. His life and family were changed forever by the power of God's love when he's laying in the hospital bed. Do you believe those stories still happen? Yeah. Can he do that for you? Can he do that in you? I believe he can. It reminds me of another story that I often read and it goes like this. He was betrayed and sold into slavery by his jealous and mean-spirited brothers. As a slave in a foreign land, he was falsely accused and even thrown in prison on top of that. His life was a mess. I mean, he feared God, but his life was a mess, seemingly. From there, during a series of strange events, he ended up accurately interpreting abstract dreams of the, of the, of the leader and God promoted him all the way up the ladder eventually to second in command. And, and through more events as they unfolded, God placed him where he wanted him exactly. And as a God-appointed leader, he was able to save thousands of lives during a time of severe famine, including the lives of his father, his brothers, and his families. Who would I be talking about? Joseph. Does God still do those kind of stories? Do you think Joseph was running around the prison just his arm raised? Thank you, Lord, for this imprisonment. This is great. I just love it. I love it. Do you think he was happy when he's falsely accused by, by Mrs. Potiphar, whatever her name was, you know, all that? No, 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 no. But all the time, God was working for his glory, not Joseph's glory, but for God's glory. And he remained obedient and faithful in the middle of the storm. How about you? How about you? And that leads me to one of my favorite verses in Genesis, the 50-20, that we hear often. And here's what Joseph said to his brothers when he revealed it to them. They were afraid he was going to wreak vengeance on them because of what they'd done to him. But he said, oh, this is good. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Okay, could you receive those words for you? Right where you are, in your present moment, in your circumstance? He goes on, he brought me into this place, this position. He doesn't go into all of it, all the struggles along the way, all the heartbreak, all the horrible things, being abducted, all those things and sold by his brothers. He brought me into this position so I could save the lives of many. Is that God working or what? That's God getting glory to himself. And there are some of you seated here or watching online today within the sound of my voice that you may feel like you can really relate to Joseph or maybe even Job because you're going through such rough and painful times. And I am well aware that there are many who are struggling as I speak. And maybe you can't see anything good coming out of this circumstance. But God is God. He's on the throne and he is bringing good out of the worst possible circumstances and scenarios that you may encounter in this life. I'm seeing it. I've seen it over and over and over and over whether we know it or not, it's like that story that Sheldon referred to last week where the the brand new Christians, remember, they said a number of things, but they said, they said, God is so nice. He is. He's kind. He's loving. He's redemptive. He's reaching out for you. (sighs) Have you said yes? Came to my mind first service, talking through this that, that, you know, he, he didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world, John 3, But I just want to ask you, why in the world would anyone here not want to be saved by Almighty God? Huh? Why? I mean, if you were in some physical danger, if you were trapped somewhere in an accident, if, if you were drowning... You'd be like, Peter, save me. Help, help, screaming for help and help. You'd want that, and you'd cry out for it quickly. But some of us are that lost and that struggling. We're going up and down, up and down, up and down. All we have to do is say yes to his heart cry because he wants to save us more than we, but we have to ask. Have you taken that step? That's not just believing about God. That's getting to know him through relationship, saying, Jesus, save me. But it's got to come, again, deep from your heart, because it will give evidence in a new direction and life change. Not perfection, but you're gonna be moving in a whole new direction. There it is, John three seventeen. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're never too cool for that word to still be relevant. I love it that our church is so diverse in so many ways. And one of the ways we're diverse, especially, is in ages. And right now, we have people from all walks coming, young families, kids, teens, children, um, we, young children. We, but we have people in 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, and we've even had people at that age come to faith and knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. And I was reminded of this story that I love because this is the evidence of God still working. Towards the end of the service when the invitation, bold invitation was given to say yes to Jesus, to believe and receive him, um, a woman who was at church for the very first time responded. I mean, absolutely no hesitation when the pastor said come. I mean, she joyfully received Jesus on the spot. When after the service was done, concluded, there were pray now people, I'll call them, that, that they were there and someone approached her to help her, to talk her through the decision to, with her and just, just to pray it, pray through it a bit. And she said to this prayer person, she said, I want you to know that I haven't been in church, this one or any church, for 50 years. And I'm 70 years old. Now... That may say old, seem old to you teens, but I want to tell you, I represent that remark, and it's not very old now. <laughs> seventy years of age. I'm seventy years old. In that moment, she was transformed, got a new start of Jesus. She'd been hurt early on in in her teen years by by churches and by pastors, she quickly connected in a positive relationship with people, got in a group, regularly began, began serving others regularly, and she became immersed in the life of the church family and the mission of God. She was dearly, dearly loved by that congregation, and she loved deeply. Do we believe that God can do that? That's the thing, you know, why, why we want God's spirit in our services and gathering because it could totally be off somebody's radar. They may not even be it, but God can meet you in a moment and change you when you're not even looking for it. Agreed? Yeah. He can hook your heart. We're so often, we, we think somebody, ah, oh, you, you look at somebody, teens at school, you may look at somebody that, that's popular, somebody that's this or that, and they, oh, they'd never be interested in Jesus. You never know what's going on inside of their hearts and lives. You never know. And sometimes the people that we think are the furthest away can be the most near to receiving Jesus, to saying yes to him. Let's be bold. Let's not be hesitant. Let's not be shy. We talk about prayer a lot. Had a great gathering on Monday night for Pray Now. We do that the first Monday of the month typically. But I want our prayers to mature beyond, bless me, bless me, bless us, and God wants to do that, and I like that. But that's not the end, because sometimes I think we infer that God's here to primarily, to, to meet my needs, and, and uh, that's not the way it is. I think that we are here to bring him glory, don't you? God doesn't just exist to meet our needs, but I would say this, if, if, if you were here today and you say, I have a relationship with Jesus, and if you seldom or never pray, then that might mean that you really don't believe. You haven't settled it in your heart. Or that you don't really believe that God's present and active, that he can do anything in your world in, in real time. And there's just a lack of connection and communication. Man, when you're in relationship with him, connect, I, I, every relationship that's good has, con, has communication, connection. Agreed? And if it's true this way, how much more is it true this Vertically. Vertically. Praying, praying, praying. I hear things like this so often. Things are getting so bad, out of control. All we can do now is pray. You know, it's like sometimes we think, "Well, I haven't. I've done everything else, but I guess I'll pray now as a last resort." That's not what God wants. I mean, He may hear an answer, but He wants a, He wants prayer to be our first choice, our first option. I, it's interesting because as I encounter people, sometimes uh, somebody will say, "Wow." I, I want this, I, I feel like I really need prayer. But oftentimes when I say, okay, now, can, can I get this going right now? They'll often say, uh, yeah, I think next Tuesday or the next week or next would be good. Do you know why that is? That, because we don't like to ask for prayer a lot of times when we are in severe need. Because that means a lot of times we think we can be in a better place. We, can think, we think we can fix ourselves up a little bit. We'll be in a better chance, place to pray. That's not what God wants. He wants us to come to him right now. Right now, he wants us to get prayer. And you know what? Another good thing, a prompt for me is about praying. praying. If I don't feel like praying, I know that I should. I've got news for you. I'm your pastor. There's times I don't feel like praying. I know all of you are holy and pure, and you never struggle with that. But when I don't feel like it is when I need to press in and pray anyway. I need to ask for somebody to pray for me anyway, not thinking that I can handle it on my own. But right now, I love that phrase, "Pray now," because that's exactly what God's about. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of prayer. Let's do something about it right now. We are prayer procrastinators. We want to kick the can down the road. Whether we want you or not, that's just what we do. But let's take care of business. That happens as we conclude services and offer invitations for for whatever the case may be. And sometimes, yeah, we're convicted and yeah, we'll respond, but not now. And we kick the can and then we lose our focus and we never get around to doing it. And that's one one of the biggest ways the enemy trips us up because he wants us to respond. God does right now, right now, right now. I grew up around the family altar, around the church altar, and it wasn't all good, but it wasn't all bad. And I got way more good out of it than I got bad out of it. But I gotta tell you, as a kid, there were times around the family altar where they just prayed over and over every day for the same lost person and the missionaries and the people that were sick and oh, on and on. And, and I wanted to roll my eyes, except I couldn't, so I'd close my eyelids and roll my eyes with my eyelids closed. You might try that sometime. But you know, I've lived long enough and I experienced as a child even that I saw some of the prayers even beyond my mother's premature death. I saw those prayers come to fruition because prayers are heaped out and and I'm convinced and you can't talk me out of it that the prayers of my mother and other prayer words but I'll just use her for example and father are still being poured out even though they've gone to heaven. I don't think prayers just dissipate and go away. I think, they, I think they just stack up and they just, they just spill over. They just spill over. As a youth pastor, I struggled with that, thinking, man, these kids are far, far from God, but I never knew, as I mentioned earlier, what God was doing in their heart and moments I was brought to a humble place of repentance saying, God, help me never to write anybody off. Help me never to think anybody's too far from you. Maybe they're far from you because I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been lifting them faithfully. I've given up on them. I'm moving on to new territory. Keep praying, don't stop, don't give up, don't give up. Love, love, love this story. I've given you maybe a different version of it, but at a university, there was a small group of prayer, a prayer pod, if you will, that got together. And they were they were men of faith, guys of faith, and it wasn't a large group, but they particularly were looking for people and asking the Lord to lay a burden on their heart for to pray for for people. And they they especially looked for people that seemed so far, but but they just saw so much potential in their lives. And they targeted, prayer targeted an athlete who was an absolutely out of control wild party, or he was a center of the of the activity, I mean popular, athletic, and I mean he was wild, but they kept inviting him to Bible studies, and they kept telling him they were praying for them, and that's not what he wanted to hear, he couldn't stand it, couldn't stand them, he got mad, cussed them out, I mean he could not stand their annoying persistence, but they wouldn't go away, they kept praying, though he was so far from God, and completely submerged, immersed in sin. Seemed to have no care in the world. He acted like he had it all together. Had friends and all the things I mentioned. And didn't care. But deep down, he was hurting. He was feeling lonely. And he was feeling guilty because he had some roots. And he knew his life was out of control. And believe it or not, somewhere, even at times in a drunken stupor, he started feeling drawn to God. And before long, he began... To pray on his own and he didn't even know how to pray he just began to cry out to God to call out to God from where he was and finally he ended up falling to his knees in an unlikely place and crying out to the Lord for salvation and then he decided to go public with that decision to follow Jesus Shortly after that the group of guys heard his public declaration they approached him and said we've been praying for you specifically by name daily for these last 2 years and wouldn't you know suddenly these guys that he couldn't stand that he made fun of became his dearest and best friends Don't you love it That's more than a story because how many of you believe that your prayers and our prayers and my prayers that our prayers make a difference Keep on praying Keep on praying Don't stop. Do you think that this man is passionate about reaching reaching people for Jesus, trying to get people to say yes to him? Of course. But it's the power of prayer. It's the power of prayer. Keep believing. People want to be saved. People want to know God and have their sins forgiven. I believe they really long for a new start. I pray now Monday night. At the end of it, we, we got to be careful what we show online because of licensing and all this stuff. So we didn't show it online, but Judy pulled that, that uh, little clip from ESPN. You've heard about it, about the reporter right there on live TV. and said, we've been saying, let's pray for tomorrow, pray, pray, pray. He said, I think we need to do it right now. I don't know if this is right, but we're going to do it. And he was getting affirmation from the reporters, I remember, on his left. and He just prayed the sweetest, simplest prayer. And I thought, isn't it interesting because I've noticed in past years that people can't say even, they seem to struggle, they choke on, I'm praying for you. They could say, I'm thinking about you, I'm carrying you in my heart, but now it was all over. Pray for tomorrow, pray, 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 pray. Everybody was saying it. Teams were kneeling and all that. Isn't that like just like God to use a, a, a tragic circumstance like that to turn it for good and to give people a new awareness of prayer? And, and if people wanted to be critical, nobody could because they would have been so ostracized for criticizing somebody for praying at somebody who was at death's door. Isn't that just like God? That's what he does. And so I just want his pastor challenge you, challenge all of us. We've been hiding in the shadows too long. I never had anybody growing up, and I was a faith follower all through my athletic days and all that. I never had anybody say, hey, if you pray for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch you in the face, I'm gonna punch your lights out. I never had anybody do that. And I've had some people not want me to pray for them. Have you ever had that experience? No, but sometimes we're so intimidated into silence and nothingness, when we feel God's problem, we don't do it because we're afraid of what other people think. I don't think we should be obnoxious. I don't think we should necessarily tackle people in Walmart and say, I'm gonna pray for you. Although there are times for great boldness in a moment's notice, but I wanna tell you what the response is in these last two weeks People are hungry because they're finding out that the old ways don't work, and, and, and they are ripe for God, and they're ripe for prayer. So could I just challenge you to step forward and begin praying now when God prompts you to just step in? Because we're living not just with our lips, but we're leading with our lives. I like to call it, remember, show and tell. That was always my favorite class in school besides recess, show and tell. And it's always interesting because we never said tell and show. It was always show and tell. And I got more excited about the showing than the telling. Agreed? Agreed? That's what it's time for. Let's let's quit being wimps spiritually. Let's quit hiding in the shadows. Let's quit letting the culture dictate what we can say. Everybody can say whatever they want. So can't we stand up for Jesus? I, I said, can't we stand up? Isn't it time? Isn't it time to be bold? Let's take advantage of those times. I am not living for the applause. of Man, I, I want to hear God say, well done. You're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's enough for me. Is that enough for you? Amen. Well, I need to sign off. We want to sing a wonderful song about the possibility of God continue to move. But I want to say, so I, it's been a broad topic today for sure about a new start, but but. I believe some of you are going to take that step of faith today because you know a lot of stuff. You've been around. You've heard the gospel time and time again, but you've never said yes. This is your day. But again, Jesus is crying out, I want to save you. But will you open your heart and say, I'm going to confess with my mouth, and I'm going to believe in my heart. That's what gives you a change in direction. Believing in your heart. It may be simple, but it's not easy. It's a conviction that comes deep from within. New life, a new start is found in a relationship with Jesus. Acts 4:12 speaks to it there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus said, "I am it, the way, truth and the life. You can't come to the Father except through me." And then Romans 10:13. I love this This is for you, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be, will be, because the work is done. But some of you just need to pray that prayer today. Jesus, save me. I need a new start. I need to start over. I've drifted. I don't know how I've gotten to where I am from where I once was. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I still listen to Andre Crouch a lot. Touches my heart. I pulled up That's Why I Needed You, an off cut from one of his albums. Picked up some words, his testimony, but then somebody told me, you were a healer of broken hearts. And all I had to do was ask, and you give me a brand new start. So Lord, you forgave me, and you did just, you saved me, and you did just what they said. And then it went on to say, I couldn't make it on my own. That's why I needed you, Amen. Before we sing, I want to pray. Our stairs, our altars are always open for prayer. And again, I'm all for making you making a private decision of faith, saying, "Jesus, save me." Yes, Jesus, I confess my sin. I, 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 my selfishness. I turned from it. I turned to you. I'm going to the cross. Your blood has forgive my sins. And when I read those scriptures, you know the, the whole string of scriptures. It's, it's, it's not just He forgives our sin. It's it's available, but, but you have to apply that forgiveness. And when you ask, when you confess and repent, that applies to all your sin. He erases it forever. But it's forgiven sin that is forgotten sin by God. Remember that. So would you just open your heart right now, and if if you've made a private decision, go public with it. You might want to do that by coming forward today, by standing, by kneeling, finding somebody you have confidence in and tell them about it, but you can make a decision today. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing in just a moment, but I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the attendance of people here, for all those online that are watching. I thank you that you're the God of a new start. There's hope no matter how discouraged we are today. We're just looking for all the wrong places. We're looking for all the wrong wrong places and come up empty, 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 but we want to be humble and we want to say like Peter Jesus save me right here right now we want to pray now we want to follow the prompt of your spirit to talk to you individually but also to pray for others that you put in our heart oh God help us some of us about ready to give up on our kids or grands or whatever help us to double down determine today that we are not gonna we're not gonna quit we're gonna press in and pray and we're gonna be bold we're gonna be bold in our faith and in our prayers so Lord thank you for your presence You said when we get together, you'd be here in the middle of us, and you are proving yourself true. And so today we want to celebrate and sing to you and about you with this song, Lord. And we pray in Worcester, Ohio and beyond that you'll do it again, that you'll do it again, do it again, do it again, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The altars and stairs are always open. Come on, let's worship him as we end with a song that kind of gets big, but that's okay. God's spirit is here. He's drawing your heart.